please pray with me. Father God, we ask in Jesus' name for the Holy Spirit now to come and renew our hearts to the preaching of the good news. Lord, open the scriptures to us this morning. Use, um, use the foolishness of preaching, Lord. Use the weakness of preaching to proclaim amazing things that you would have us understand and grasp that will be transformational in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this was the Sunday, uh, second Sunday of Christmas, and the pastor collapsed from heat exhaustion. Uh, maybe we need to be reading Revelation instead of uh, Luke this morning, I'm not sure. But as we look at this passage, we're wrapping up what's called the birth narrative, the birth narrative in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2. This is such a rich passage that we heard this morning. There are so many directions in which we could go. Um, and that being the case, we, we do need to kind of narrow it down, narrow it down to just one thing. And in this passage, we hear how the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the, the first covenant God had with Israel and the new covenant God offers all humanity through Jesus Christ, how these two covenants embrace each other in the moment when Jesus is presented in the temple. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And the very first thing we see in this passage is Jesus' relationship with the Old Covenant. Now, I need to explain myself. What do I mean when I say Old Covenant? Well, the Old Covenant was God's special relationship with and promises to His chosen people, Israel. That covenant was given after they had escaped from slavery in Egypt and were wandering in the, in the desert about 3,400 years ago. The first five books of the Bible, the first five books in our Bible, the Torah, encapsulate that relationship and those promises, as, and those were the defining realities for, for Jewish life and always have been. So what do we hear in Luke chapter 2 regarding the law or the Old Covenant? Well, this is what it says. This is Luke 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, listen, according to the law of Moses, they, who's the, they, the holy family, Mary and Joseph, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So I hope you heard those three references to Torah, three references to the Old Covenant. Jesus begins his life, therefore, please listen, Jesus begins his life as a, the son of faithful, orthodox, Torah-observant Jewish parents. Jesus grows up under the law. And that's reiterated in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, this is St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, under the Torah. So what do we take away from this? Well, here it is. First of all, the law, the Torah, is good. The old covenant God made with Israel was good. Now, why do I have to make a point of saying this? Well, there is an attitude, and I would say it's an erroneous attitude, among some Christians that the law of Moses was somehow bad, that it did not contain any grace. 
that it was merely given to show us what terrible people we are. And it certainly does have that power. It is a mirror that reveals our own sinfulness. But that's not all the Old Covenant is about. The Old Covenant isn't there just to make us feel bad about ourselves. It's not bad, no. The law as it was given, listen, was for the positive blessing of Israel and through Israel, the positive blessing of all humanity, the whole world. So St. Paul himself in the book of Romans, in the letter to the Romans, says of the first covenant, this is what he says in Romans 7, 12, now the law is really, really awful. No, listen to what Paul says. So the law is holy. Do not call what God has called holy unclean. So what does God say here through his apostle Paul? The law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and what? Good. The commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. How does God feel about the old covenant in the new covenant? He thinks it's good. He thinks it's good. And the other people who show up in this narrative, Simeon and Anna, are there precisely because, listen, they love and desire to live in that framework of relationship and promise that God gave Israel at Sinai. And by the way, just as an aside, Simeon and Anna were old people. God uses old people. This is personally encouraging. I get that 5% discount on Thursdays at Harris Teeter. That's right, the old people discount. So what does God think about old people? Don't despise and dismiss those who are walking with him in their old age. Listen to what Luke says of Simeon. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon and Anna represent the old covenant at its best. Simeon and Anna represent the old covenant at its best. They are pious, and get this, spirit-filled that's what the Bible says. Again, listen to what it says about Anna. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So Anna, this old covenant holy woman, has devoted herself to the God of Israel because, and, and because she's wanting to live in that framework. And this woman living in that first covenant framework, listen, she becomes, in effect, the first public evangelist about Jesus. Now, the shepherds told everybody they ran into on the way in and out of Bethlehem. But Anna is in the temple declaring, the, giving thanks to God and speaking of Jesus to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So, this, this is what this indicates. Through Anna, the law is proclaiming Jesus. Wow. Through Anna, the Torah is proclaiming Jesus. That's good. So that's the first point. The law is good. The old covenant is good. Jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant. The old covenant wasn't bad. It's just that the new covenant fulfilled in Jesus is infinitely better. The old covenant wasn't bad. 
but the new covenant is infinitely better. The old covenant was pointing towards something more wonderful, and Jesus is the fulfillment and consummation of that covenant. Jesus is the fulfillment and consummation of that covenant. How can I make such a statement? Well, because Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So that's why Simeon and Anna are so excited in the temple. All that God had promised in the Old Testament had shown up. All that God had promised Israel in the law and the prophets and the writings had shown up in the arms of Mary. All of those promises held in the arms of a young Jewish woman. The new covenant God, in the new covenant, God would come among his people. God would come among his people and renew Israel. And through Israel, even the Gentiles, by transforming their lives, listen, in the new covenant, from the, God is transforming our lives from the inside out, not from the outside in. That's the difference. In the old covenant, it's from the outside in. In the new covenant, it's from the inside out. You know, I can say that because just a few verses down from the Old Testament reading in Jeremiah 31 we heard this morning, listen to what the Bible says. This is the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Listen to this. This is verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God is transforming us through the power of the Holy Spirit to live in the framework of relationship and covenant love with Him from the inside out. Now, do you remember back in um, Advent? It's been a long time ago now, I know. But back early in Advent, we read uh, Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And this is what Malachi 3.1 said. I'll remind you of that. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now, here's the amazing thing, and it's amazing because this is not, I don't think how anyone expected it, but Simeon and, Simeon and Anna through the Holy Spirit, were given the eyes to see it, Simeon and Anna recognized that God had indeed returned to his temple, that Malachi had been fulfilled. This is what we have been waiting for. This is what the Torah and the prophets and the writings have been pointing to this moment when Mary and Joseph and Jesus in Mary's arms show up. And when Simeon takes the infant Jesus in his arms, 
Oh, this is so wonderful. When Simeon takes the infant Jesus in his arms and blesses him, Simeon speaks as the embodiment of the old covenant and says this, finally, this is what I have been longing for all these centuries, and here it is. And just listen to Simeon's song. This is, this is the Old Testament rejoicing in the New Testament. This is the first covenant rejoicing in the new covenant. Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now we hear peace and we think of the absence of strife. But of course he doesn't say that. He says shalom probably, doesn't he? And we know what that means. Lord, now let you now are letting your servant depart in wholeness and fulfillment according to your word. For these eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The old covenant rejoices in and blesses the new. And I want to show you a hidden treasure, a hidden treat in this passage, actually a couple of them, that reveals how Jesus fulfills the old covenant and ushers in the new. So the Lord has come suddenly to his temple, as Malachi foretold, but he is presented by a poor Jewish family. Again, not the way people were expecting, probably, for God's glory, his Shekinah, to return to the temple. He's presented by a poor Jewish family, and we know that they are poor because they offer what's literally called, in, in, uh, in, uh, among the rabbis, the offering of the poor. They offer two turtle doves. They're supposed to offer a, a turtle dove and a lamb, but if they can't afford that, it says that they can offer two turtle doves or two young pigeons. So God, in co coming in this family, comes in weakness and vulnerability and in humility. Weakness and vulnerability and humility as the son of a poor family. That's how God comes to his temple. Weakness and vulnerability and humility. In other words... What we see at the very beginning of Jesus' life is a foreshadowing of the cross. In fact, the cross is woven throughout all of the birth narrative of Jesus in Luke's gospel. Jesus would fulfill God's plan of redemption through weakness and humiliation. And it's hinted at right here at the beginning of Luke's story about Jesus. And in case we miss the subtlety... Luke self-consciously reminds us of this baby's destiny when he records the words of Simeon, who said, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child, this child, is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. You know, Luke records that Mary, his mother, was there at the cross. So that, thoughts, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. But there's more. There's more. Now, here is the, here's what, what is hidden in plain sight if we just have the eyes to see it. Luke refers to the sacrifice for purification after childbirth. Now, I want to tell you, the first thing that that we see is what Luke omits in this passage. Uh, he does allude to it, 
he says that every, every firstborn that opens the womb will be holy to the Lord. And so there was a part of that sacrifice was the paying of a few shekels uh, to the temple for the redemption of the firstborn son. And I'm sure that Mary and Joseph did that. But it's not recorded in Luke's gospel. In fact, Luke seems to be, means, seems to be implying by that that Jesus remains holy to the Lord. He's never redeemed from the Lord. In other words, he's always holy to the Lord, which is why the next thing we hear about Jesus is he's there in the temple, you know, teaching the, or, or having conversations with the elders of Israel. Uh, you, you know, uh, didn't you know I was going to be in my father's house? Didn't you realize that? Here's what it says. That Luke refers to the sacrifice for purification after childbirth. And he points back to Leviticus 12, and here's what that says. This is Leviticus 12, verse 6. And when the days of her purification were completed, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb. Okay, listen. She shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and shall make atonement for her. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for the burnt offering and, one, and the other for the sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. The law says that this is to be two turtle doves or two young pigeons. No lamb is required, okay? But listen, listen. Mary did bring a lamb to the temple. Mary brought the lamb to the temple as an offering. Jesus is the lamb presented in the temple for the offering. He is the purification of Mary and the whole human race. The lamb in the temple. Wow. To, in God's sovereign providence, he did make a lamb for himself in the temple. Jesus is presented as the atonement for humanity and completely given to God. The Lord himself is the lamb. God offers himself for us because as great as the law is, we could never fulfill it. Mary brings her little lamb, and because she did, we can be saved from the power of sin, and brought into a life-giving relationship with God. And we can become like Simeon and Anna under the new covenant, spirit-filled, being transformed from the inside out. What an amazing, amazing summation to the birth narrative about Jesus. It's a great Christmas present. And this is the greatest present of all, is that the offering that is given is the lamb that was also given for us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.